Welcome to Lavish Hope Season 3. I'm Liz Testa. It's Women's History Month, and for this episode, I'm delighted to welcome the Reverend Dr. Michelle Lloyd-Page, fellow podcaster, diversity consultant, preacher, professor, founder of Preach Sista, a nonprofit that helps people deepen their faith and care for their souls, and co-author of the recently released book, Diversity Playbook, Recommendations and Guidance for Christian Organizations. Reverend Dr. Michelle shares some of her journey as a woman of color in the church and academia, and the many ways God has called her to overcome barriers, live freely and fully into her gifts, and help others do the same. You won't want to miss her reflections on persistence, understanding that we are following God's call and not our own, and the importance of refilling one's tank, especially when engaged in diversity work. And finally, what she describes as the lily pad effect. You'll leave this session inspired and hopeful with new insights and tools to apply to your own life. So let's jump in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Lavish Hope podcast. I'm Liz Testa, and I'm so excited to be here today with the Reverend Dr. Michelle Lloyd-Page. Welcome, Dr. Michelle. So excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be with you on the podcast. This is exciting. Yes, indeed. So it's Women's History Month. We've got so much we can be talking about in that regard. And it's uh, work that you are so engaged in and all of this wonderful diversity and equity work that you do. So I'm so excited for our listeners to hear more about that. Um, but what I'd love to open up with is just the the usual first question that I ask my guests is, what does resilience mean to you, Michelle? And how has it shaped your life experience? How have you maybe been deepened by um, experiences that have built resilience? Can you share a little bit? Whatever that means to you. I'm happy to share that. It's something easy for me to talk about. So my screensaver on my laptop is this sign that just says, nevertheless, she persisted. So when I think about resilience, it is about persistence. And when I think about resilience, it's not just persistence in that you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going. Um, It also means taking time to evaluate how am I doing in this pushing forward? Mm. And how am I doing mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically? How am I doing? So doing a check-in so that we're not burning ourselves out so far that all we got is ashes and we can't revive the ashes. So doing that check-in to see how we're doing and and taking the necessary measures to take care of ourselves, to refresh ourselves so we have enough energy to keep going. Resilience to me also means understanding that we're following after what God is calling us to do and not just what everybody else wants us to do. Because Hmm. if you're a person that has any kind of energy or talent or gift, there's going to be multiple people asking you, can you do this? Can you do that? That's right. And so resilience is also having enough um, discernment to, to figure out what is God asking me to do? Because I fully believe that whatever God has put on my plate, God gives me the resources and the energy to do. Um, and the things that I'm just doing because I don't know. It'll make me look good. It's to help somebody else out, but it's not really what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't have the energy to do. So resilient 
persistence for me is simply persistence, but it's persistence that is nuanced and contextualized. That's so good. And so how how has your this whole concept of resilience for you, how has it been shaped by your past? Oh, you say? oh being a woman in ministry, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I say jokingly and seriously as well, right? Because mm-hmm. um, let me give you a really short story of my call and and pursuing ministry. Um, I my mother was in ministry, um, but I was very not excited about her being in ministry because it seemed like she was being pulled away from the family, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I finally messed around and asked God what I'm supposed to be doing with my life and heard this call that I must preach, right? Um, I went through the process. The denomination I was as a, a part of was um, one of apprenticeship and classes that we take at national conferences. And I had done everything that I was supposed to do, was now ready to go um, to the conference where I would be ordained, right? So taking the test um, so that I could be ordained. Mm -hmm. And remember picking up the phone to make reservations for the hotel and the trip and could clearly hear the Holy Spirit say, nope, you can't do it. It's like, why can't I do this? Like, because your attitude isn't right, right? Because I was doing it to prove, yes, I can, because all these other people and other churches are saying women can't. And I was like, yes, I can. Watch me. Second year comes up and I pick up the phone, call reservation, clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, nope, you can't do it. You're not right. And it's like, oh man. And I had to admit it wasn't, it was, it was trying to prove third year. Um, pick up the phone and I'm waiting to hear and I don't hear a no. And I'm like, okay, if I dial the numbers, I'm going to hear something and, and, and dial the numbers and, and it was right. Right. So for me, that's an example of persistence, not giving up at the first no. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first no was, well, if we go back to the very first no, it was all the people in my life who said women can't preach and shouldn't be preaching, right? Mm-hmm. So saying, nope, I'm going to anyway, because I really believe God is calling me to do this. I feel this fire in my bones and I can't I can't help but do that. And then it was this ordination process, um, persistence and resilience when I heard the Holy Spirit say no, not taking it as something is wrong with me that I'm not qualified, but something wasn't wrong with something was wrong with my heart and my heart Mm. needed to be right. And I so wanted this to work. So that's one example of persistence. The other one, um, you know, you know about Preach Sister, Preach Sister is my nonprofit ministry, and I've been doing this for 21 years. So, um, so 21 years of ministry, (laughs) women's ministry, going through the various, um, you know, the naive you is like, oh, it's going to be like this. It's going to be worldwide. It's going to be global. It's like, no, really, what is it supposed to be about? Um, And Preach Sister is all about um, now creating space for people, particularly women, to deepen their faith and care for their souls. And that helps to contribute to resilience. If If we can deepen our faith really here, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking within. And if we can take the time to care for our souls, because so often we are pulled in so many directions mm-hmm. um, that we 
don't stop to ask ourselves, how am I doing? How is how am I with God? And so with Preach Sister, we'd like to create opportunities for, for women in particular to stop um, and think and listen about how they are doing. So they'll have the energy that they need to run the race that God has set before us. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. And you know, there's something that just really sprang to my mind when you were talking about these this this first experience, especially mm-hmm. with you with this repeated, you know, being really mm-hmm. attentive to the Holy Spirit. But also like that's a walk in obedience. Oh yeah. Well see, I I figure I have enough to give an account to God for um, where I didn't know I was doing something wrong, that I don't want to fall into willful disobedience. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> there's enough, right? There's, I'm sure there's, I'm sure I'm going to see God and it's, God is going to say, and this and this and this. And I'm like, <laughs> I had no idea, no idea, but you're right. Um, but so those things that are willful disobedience, I, I don't want to, I fear God too much to walk in willful disobedience. Mm, amen. Amen. And there's 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 rewards. Re- obedience has its oh, rewards. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mm. aced the test. I yeah, aced, I was going to say tell us what happened. I aced, <laughs> I aced the exam, right? Um and you know, and even doing that, there was the oh my gosh, you know, so I'm I'm there. It's in um Louisville and so it's warm. And so I had my cute little sundresses and everything, you know, to to be there because we're going to be there a week. And someone had come up to me and said, you know, you're wearing a sleeveless dress. You shouldn't be, your sleeve shouldn't, your arms shouldn't be out. And so I went, (laughs) found the store nearby, got a dress that had short sleeves or long sleeves, but a dress that had sleeves, right? So Mm -hmm. even with that, so even getting the go ahead to go, getting to Mm -hmm. the conference site, um, and running into opposition, running into, you know, people say, oh, questioning, should I really be there? And, you know, and I'm a distraction because of my physical body, right? It's like mm. my arms were out. It's not like all of God's creative glory was out. Well, you were breaking the rules, right? There's probably some breaking, rules there. I was breaking the rules, but, you know, but no one said anything about the guy's pants who were too tight. Exactly. But, you know, but anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> right. Right. And so um, I'm just wondering, like, where do you find resilience when you don't have it? So like when you're in those types of situations, where do you like, where do you go to find it? So there are I have a very good friend, my best friend. Um, She helps me to stay grounded and to remember that the whole world doesn't rest on my shoulders. And, and my husband does the same thing as well. They do this in, in different ways, right? So my best friend and my husband know me, know me, know me, know me. Um, and when it feels like I I can't, I can't continue this work. Diversity work is hard. If you're if you're making any kind of progress, <laughs> if if you're doing diversity work and it's easy, you're not doing diversity work. That's what I would say. And so on those days when it's like, I've, I, I don't know if I can do it. I've, I've had enough. I'm burnt out. Um, my best friend will remind me of the things that I have accomplished. Um, and so we can celebrate those small wins. And then my husband will give me permission to not be on. And so he will make some 
fabulous vegan meal for me because I'm vegan. Um, and it will be, we're watching a movie. And so it's just building me. It's a, both incidences are reminding me that I'm more than this thing that is problematic at the moment. Um, and when they see my tank is has gotten low because I've just been pushing and trying and pushing and trying, they just remind me and they provide space for me to be still um, and remind me of that I'm so much more than a job, um, that mm. I am a wife, I am a friend, I am a mother. Um, we'll go take a, for with my husband and I, we'll go take a drive out to the lake. We live about 15 minutes from um, Lake Michigan. So we'll take mm. a drive out to the lake and just watch the water. And there's something about watching the water and Lake Michigan is a huge lake you cannot see to the other side. Mm -hmm. So just re being reminded that this water is so vast, I cannot see to the other side, but there is something on the other side. Um, and I just remember that this thing that's bugging me, this thing that is emptying me, it's so small compared to what God can do. And so mm -hmm. that's where I find resilience is just, taking a step off the treadmill, um, yeah. being reminded of my giftedness, being reminded that I, I am not the Messiah. I am Hallelujah. Not the <laughs> right? The world should, be, all should be glad that. about that. You will. Um, and it's okay to take care of myself. It's okay to fill up my cup, right? Um, every now and then I have a, I do a YouTube show that's called Refill with Preach Sister. That's all about, um, taking the opportunity, talking with women, talking with men and women too, about, yeah, how do you refill yourself? How do you fill up your tank when it feels like you're getting low? And listening to the stories of, you know, men and women that I've had on the show, hearing them talk about how they fill mm -hmm. themselves up is a reminder mm -hmm. to me that of how I can fill myself up too. You're mentioning already a few of your many projects. <laughs> but I am wondering, you know, um, one of the questions I always ask is like, where's a place that you find hope? And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that, like through the lens of all of this diversity work that you do. You, you mentioned yes. that, that like, I mean, you've got a very robust portfolio in the academy, yeah. out in the field, you know, yeah. in the church. I mean, you are so, a Renaissance woman, bar none. <laughs> so there are, Many places that I find hope, but I'll just kind of give them bullet point. One place that I find hope is talking with my five-year-old granddaughter mm -hmm. um, because she is just a ray of sunshine and full of giggles and laughter and reminds me to play. So that's, and seeing her and her multicultural friend group and her love for absolutely everyone, as well as the dramatic effect, you know, something didn't work right. And so she's having a moment. But that gives me hope because I see all the books that she has, some of them, which I've contributed, that are about all these em empowering and she's sensing her own sense of self. And so that gives me hope that all is not lost. And then there are the students. Um, so I work at Calvin University as their chief diversity officer. And the students, um, I work with a group of students and we meet with the president monthly and they ask some really good 
hard questions and they have hope. They have hope for our university and because they have hope for the university, I have hope for the university as well. So that's a place that gives me hope. Uh, When I look at my own spiritual journey, um, I changed churches in the summer of 2020. Um, And in changing churches, I went to a congregation I never thought I would find myself out at because it's a multicultural congregation. And I had like, no way am I going to go to a multicultural congregation because I don't feel like doing all that much work on a Sunday. I would need to go a place where I can be refilled and have a sense of belonging. And that has been such a wonderful journey for me um, because I am meeting um, white individuals. I'm meeting Hispanic, Latinx individuals, um, other black individuals who have a heart for justice and Mm -hmm. Christian faith. So seeing us work towards that struggle with that together, but I don't feel alone. So that gives me hope because this community is trying hard to do that. And it doesn't feel like I'm some exotic animal that's there or someone special, mm. right? I'm, I'm special because I'm a child of God. I'm not special because I'm the Black woman that walked into this church to help them do their diversity work. Right. And then, um, yeah, I think that's enough. <laughs> so I have multiple, I, you know, I, I call these, there's, it's this lily pad effect, right? So when I look at a lake or look at a pond or something, right, we can see these little lily pads that are there. And sometimes if I'm still long enough, I can watch a frog that's jumping from one lily pad to another lily pad. And that's how I like to see my life is just like, okay, I'm looking for where's the next respite? Where's the next spot that I can rest for a moment? But then one day I messed around and Googled lily pads because I was creating a presentation and wanted a picture of one. And I found out that there are lily pads that are big enough for human beings to sit on. <laughs> like four not just Thumbelina. <laughs> yeah, not just Thumbelina, not just little cute frogs, but you know, big lily pads. And and when I saw that, I was like, that is inspiration. And so I try to always have a big lily pad somewhere on the horizon. So it might be a few months before I can get to it, but there's going to be this big lily pad and I'm going to turn myself off from work, from any kind of concerns or anything like that, and just enjoy whatever that lily pad experience is about. So sometimes it's been a trip to Dallas to visit my sister and discover all the Black vegan chefs in Dallas. There's a number of them. It's good. That's or sometimes it's a little road trip with my um, um, best friend or, um, you know, an, an adventure, uh, a home project at home with husband. Just I like to have those big lily pads as well as the little ones. So I all those that. give me hope, um, energize me. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say. That's so beautiful. And, you know, you... um. You mentioned your students, mm-hmm. and I know 
you've just been over in another space that I'm part of called Dismantling Racism, where we've been and being Women's History Month. I mean, we say Women's History is every month, right? Every month. Black History Month is every month. month, But we we honor it, especially in March. And um, you've been kind enough to come and help us dig into the dismantling theme of race and gender, the intersection of race and gender. And that just happened. This is talking about the Holy (laughs) Spirit, right? You were talking about the Holy Spirit earlier. The Holy Spirit had prompted me to invite you, not knowing that you were actually teaching a course on the very subject. And so I'm just wondering if you could just share a little bit, just to give our our listeners a little insight into this topic, because I think that 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 for us, you've brought a lot of hope to us in Mm -hmm. in this space that where we are praying against the sin of racism to dismantle these systems of oppression. And just having you come and sit with us and share your wisdom and prompt us uh, in some of these um, ways that we can build resilience, right? Mm-hmm. And we can overcome these systems. I think is it's it just really blessed us. So I'm wondering if you yeah. could just share a little bit, whatever's on your heart about this course <laughs> yeah. you're just finishing. Yeah, the course I just I, I just turned in final grades today. So <laughs> I'm excited. Congratulations. And so this is a class for the seminary. So this is at the seminary level. Mm-hmm. And it's called Experiencing Race and Gender in the Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was asked to teach a course in the seminary and I had resisted for a while. It's like I can't teach Old Testament survey or the prophets mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. And so that they finally asked, so what would you teach? I was like, well, I teach my sweet spot, race and gender and race and gender in the church, thinking they would say, oh, we can't do that. And they said, yes. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so this class was, um, it was really interesting and it was good. It was such a mixed group. It, it mm. was such a mixed group, international, male, female, um, at least three different racial, ethnic identities that were that were in this course and it was very much conversation based but what we were looking at is what it what does it feel like what is the experience of race and gender and the intersection of race and gender in the church and so we spent some time talking about um kind not a deep history but a history of race so why, how has race shown up in the church? And so we were reading some really challenging books um, for the class. So like The Color of Compromise was one of the books. If you want to know what is the history of race within the church, mm-hmm. Color of Compromise is a great book to read. Mm-hmm. And then we read Biblical Womanhood as well, um, The Making of Biblical Womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, uh, there were a couple of women in the class um, they got mad. They got mad, not because they were in disbelief with what they were reading, but because it so resonated with them. So it it was like they had no idea about this history of how gender has been shaped and reinforced by the church in a more subordinate role. And then when they read this, they were like, how come I didn't know this? Mm-hmm. This okay now I understand what's going on and and one of the one of the women said she's probably going to leave her church now um, and find something else because when she had was reading this and it gave her the language and the concepts to to critically review what was going on she realized that wasn't the way things had to be 
that there was something else. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, and we read um, Brenda Salter McNeil's Becoming Brave. And so we talked about, so we talked about not only experiencing race, experiencing gender, how does this, um, the intersections of that, but also about how do we find our voice to become an advocate? And so using that work by Brenda Salter McNeil, Becoming Brave, as she tells her story of, in the beginning of her doing diversity work, was kind of complicit, but not really thinking of it as being complicit. She's just being Christian and doing a good voice. Until she had this epiphany, it's like, oh no, I got to talk about racism. I got to talk about anti-racism. I got to challenge these Christian colleges and universities to be anti-racist, to talk about systemic issues of race and not just about the kumbaya diversity, we're all together in unity, right? So it's the unity and the um, eradicating oppressive systems. And so the the class, their final project, I called it a spiritual sankofa, um, a personal sankofa that they had to write. And this personal sankofa, they had to write um, their racial, gendered, um, auto-ethnography. So they had to write their story. And so there were a set of questions that they had to respond to. And it was really about taking time to evaluate their life and how society, how their upbringing had shaped their understanding of who they were as a white man, a Korean man, um, a white woman, a black woman, um, a a person who's an immigrant, how had all of these things, times in history, how has that shaped your understanding of who you are and how has that shaped your understanding of the faith? And so Mm. I tell you, reading those those final papers was so rich. And to a person, they all said that, this was something that they needed to do. And they so valued this opportunity mm. to be still and to actually look. So if we're going to dismantle racism and, and everyone in the class wanted that for their path, they wanted to dismantle racism. Mm. Um, but you can understand that for some people, um, for a white man, how you do that is gonna be different than a, than a black woman. Mm-hmm. And and the shape and the spaces that you're in, but it helped them to see that you didn't have to be a superstar to do this work. You just had to own who you were, yeah. and you had to be able to um, be willing to look up, speak up, and step up. Mm-hmm. And so say that and, again. Say that again. We love our three in the church, right? It's a holy trinity. Tell us again. I had to be able to, um, I might not get it all right, but to be able to look up, to speak up, and to step up. They had to be able to do all that. And mm-hmm. part of that, so it, it wasn't just self-promotion, but I really do think um it was helpful for them. And I saw it show up in the papers that they wrote. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they also had to do was to read um, my book, um, yeah. the diversity playbook. So diversity playbook, recommendations and guidance for Christian organizations. Um with and, a foreword by the aforementioned 
Yes, Brenda Salter McNear. So that's a <laughs> yes, a nice tie in there. <laughs> she has been a mentor for quite some time, so oh, we're amazing. very pleased that she was able to yeah. do that for us. That's amazing. Um, but the diversity playbook, you know, it is in three sections. The first section is for people who have been tasked or feel called to lead diversity efforts in their organizations. It could be church, it could be school. Um, anywhere that they're feeling called to do that work. The middle section is for people who believe that they're to walk alongside the person who is doing the work. We call them the allies, the outliers, the co-conspirators, friends, that co-conspirators. So, that's good. <laughs> so we have all of those people in there. And then the last section is for the organization. Like, okay, it's not just the work of the diversity professional. It's also the work of the institution. So we're addressing both the personal and the systemic and the culture in order mm -hmm. to, to do this. And so, um, so what my students were able to do were to grab onto these different concepts within this book and say, you know what, maybe I'm not a co-conspirator right now in this season of life in terms of what I know and the place that I am, but I can be an ally or, you know what, I can be a friend because sometimes diversity workers, we just need a friend. We don't, we don't need someone who's going to go and do the protests with us. We need them, but sometimes we need someone I said, my best friend, one of the things that we love doing is watching old Godzilla movies together, right? And sometimes <laughs> I just want to watch an old Godzilla movie. I don't want to have to write a report. I don't want to have to write a letter. I just I just want to eat popcorn and watch Godzilla movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that's what she does with me. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, with that class, I'm... It was so affirming because at the end they were saying, okay, tell us there's going to be a part two. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> That's I don't a know great about, sign. I don't know about a part two. It's like this, this is like asking you a fired woman. fired them up, huh? Yeah. It's like, this is okay. like asking a woman who's in labor, are you going to have another child? <laughs> right. Don't ask gotcha. me while I'm in labor with this one, if I'm going to have another one. Um, but I would, I would definitely do it again because um my students grew and and stretched um, in their understanding. I grew and stretched in my understanding as well, right? Because I had to hear, especially taking a very inner, um, incorporating the voice of the person who was in, um, from another country, like two were from another country, but just take putting that lens on it as mm -hmm. well. So how we understand what it means to be white can look very different. Mm -hmm. um, when your skin is white, but you're the minority in that country. Mm. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a great class. I would do it again. Now I can say that now that the final grades are turned in. <laughs> right. Now you're taking a nice <laughs> now breath. I, right now, now I can take a breath. But before I was like, Ooh, you know what you're asking? <laughs> I said, yes, well, we do. We want more of this. That's amazing, though. Congratulations. What if, I you. mean, that's to me, that's like lavish hope all over. I mean, now that yes. you're reading again, <laughs> but like what a beautiful thing. And that also I, I, I really honor, Michelle, that you stayed the course and you 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 waited 
until the system said to you, what course would you like to teach? Yes. And I honor them that they were, it was for such a time as this, right? That like Mm -hmm. all things lined up and it was the time when the system was ready to receive this type of course Mm -hmm. and that you were able to step in and now you see that fruit. So that's part of that walk in obedience and heeding the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And and what a beautiful sign of hope that these students are so blessed because there are leaders of, you know, of even some of them are even of today and tomorrow. And so as we're like, how do we continue to do this work of diversity, inclusion, of equity, of dismantling systems of oppression and inspire those who are coming after us? Yes. And that was one of the reasons I accepted teaching this class in the seminary Mm. because there are Black women in the seminary Mm -hmm. and there are no Black women professors in the seminary. So to have two Black women in my class, Mm -hmm. and so they see me in front of the class, and so they felt inspired. It's like, okay, all right, we can can do this. So I take that... and that you're also a minister, right? So you're and also, I'm also a, a, minister. a cler- yes. clergy so I'm also, person. So I'm also so, clergy, got a PhD. So yeah, yes. they, uh, all that have my ministry, have mm. am willing to talk about my faith journey and to yes. share um, those moments where it's like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> are, you, are you sure about this? Me? Me? Okay. Yes, it is me. And being willing to um, or to model listening to the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll yes. say that because I'm... Um, always happy to share my own discernment process about okay how do how do how do I do something how do I make a decision to do something um, mm-hmm. um, if I'm praying about something I I need God to speak now whether God is going to speak in my inner self or God places someone around me that I just know that is God speaking through them because why else or it's just like well of course this is gonna of course it it all lines up like that right so all those things but then also um, in that if I've heard God speak and I accept this outcome this thing that God would have me to do then I have to also accept the process as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking for a new church home, um, one of the things that I wanted, I wanted to be at a place where my Blackness was not odd and it was celebrated, mm-hmm. not on a pedestal, but it was, I was a Black woman, but it's not like, oh, super special, <laughs> a Black mm-hmm. woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted there to be, sermons um, and liturgies and called to confessions that touched on social justice issues, not just in the neighborhood, but around the world and recognized all these injustices that were going on and that there was work in the community to, to make a difference, right? So I, want, I wanted all that, but at the top of that list um, for God that I gave over, um, was I don't want to be at a multicultural church. I want to do all of this in a black church. <laughs> and when I went look, when I looked, there was not a church nearby. Um, so I go to church forty five miles from where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the church that God brought me to, 
I was like, God, really? Why did, why did, why would you bring me here? Well, I told you I did not want to be a part of a multicultural church. And I said, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Is, is that true? Do you have that sense of belonging? Yes. Are you growing spiritually? Yes. Are, do they talk about social justice? Yes. Do you feel like you belong? Yes. They've made me feel very welcome. I do feel like I belong. I'm not odd. Are you able to use your gifts? Yes, I can use your gifts. So, so you mean to tell me you want to leave? Because of one thing out of 10. Mm. Uh, uh. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I will not be willfully disobedient. That doesn't mean I won't have a conversation or two with God in the process. But it does mean that I won't be willfully disobedient. So I'm here for a season. And even even that, right? So that's what example of trusting God for the process. So if I'm trusting God for the outcome, this is what I want and I believe you're going to do it, God, then I have to trust you for the process. Mm -hmm. And it's in that process that we develop our resilience. We see what God has done before, and we celebrate the small wins. We, When we get the wind knocked out of us, we find the people around us who can help us breathe when we can't breathe anymore. Mm -hmm. We remember the good work that we have done, we remember that we are not the Messiah. We mm-hmm. are just workers. We're just ministers. We're just agents of renewal. We are not the source of renewal. And there is a great deal of liberation in that because at the end of the day, it's like, well, God, these are your people. <laughs> you need to do something with them. <laughs> that's a good word. Well, and I love the way that you just, that's a professor for us, just summarizing <laughs> all of these points, because I think for our listeners, you know, we're always thinking, what are the tips and tools that we can take from these podcasts that we can add to our own lives that can help inform the way that we are living into our gifts and callings in the world? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Professor, what you've shared with us is, I think, you know, we're all students, right? On yes. the journey of life, uh, students of the word seeking mm-hmm. to be obedient uh, and live fully and freely. And you've just given us a wonderful sort of checklist of things to to be um, looking towards, right? Of like, yeah. if it's just one or two that somebody wants to try out, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of it is, is just to see, try it on, friends. Yeah. We, we exhort you to try it on. Yeah. And we're, we're, like you said, we're all on a journey. And even though I have all kinds of initials after my name to show that I've been to school a long time (laughs) um, and titles in front of my name, which shows that, yeah, I get to show up in different places and people invite me to speak about things. I'm still in a learning process too. I'm still Mm -hmm. learning. Um, And so I learn by reading. Um, I learn by talking to people. And one of the fun ways for me to learn and to grow is um, being on the Antioch podcast, right? So I'm a co-host on the Antioch podcast and our tagline is conversations about biblical anti-racism. And that too is a very diverse group. There are six of us. We would say that we are friends. I don't think we started out that way. I think we started out as people coming together to do a podcast. And now we are friends who get together, have a conversation every Friday, and then we hit the record button sometime during the conversation, and then a podcast shows up. Um, but that ha- that has helped me to grow as well, to learn more about myself, to learn, because these are deep conversations 
that we're having. They're not the polite conversations Mm -hmm. um, with people you don't know. So for friends who trust each other, we trust each other um, with our feelings. We trust each other to tell us the truth. Um, Like, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, but in a way that is affirming and kind, right? So I'm not like, Mm -hmm. well, you're full of crap, but you know Mm -hmm. what? I I didn't think about it that way. Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And being with each other, being there for each other personally um, and not just, well, it's time to do the podcast. Let's do this. But when there are um, life events that are happening, um, we are there for one another as well. So that's finding a good group of friends that you can be yourself. And so on the podcast, I don't show up as the Reverend Dr. Michelle Lloyd Page. I just show up as Michelle mm-hmm. um, with my friends. And that is also liberating um, and helps me to become energized for the work that I need to do the rest of the week. That's so beautiful. And, you know, there's like, I personally know some direct fruit of that labor that our Dismantling Racism Prayer Movement the Reverend Nancy Booty there in West Michigan, mm-hmm. who is really the one that it's like whom God laid on the heart like of her. We need to have this prayer movement in the Reformed Church in America, which is our home denomination. Mm-hmm. And it was, she attributes a lot of that to sitting with you and your friends on the Antioch <laughs> podcast and listening and wrestling with the things that you were speaking about. So just know, you know, how grateful we are that, you know, that you do that, that you did that, that you guys, that you all, you know, got, are in it to win it. Cause it's, you've done hundreds of episodes now, I think, Yes, yeah. um, but that, that, you know, that really was critical for her and, and led to like a whole movement yeah. within yeah. a mainline Protestant denomination that is, you know, really flourishing. So thank you yeah. for that, because that's, that's an example of like, what can happen? Like we, we talk about mm-hmm. lavish hope. Mm-hmm. That like it's a ripple effect, right? It's mm-hmm. a ripple effect of what happens when we're obedient and we do what it is God's calling us to do, and we share of ourselves. It can have these ripple effects that sometimes we never even get to hear about, but you get to hear about it, and you heard right. it from Nancy herself. I did, her. and that was How so encouraging. Yeah, and I I shared that with the group, and we we were all like, "Oh my gosh, that is so good." That that helps us just like, okay, people someone's listening and we're helping someone. So it is worth it. It is worth taking the time. We can help somebody along the way. Yes. (laughs) Haley Jackson. So I'm wondering, we like to ask our guests if you have a favorite verse or quote that inspires you to embrace hope and be resilient. I'm sure you've got many. Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So my absolute favorite one, is Luke 145, which is blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mm. That, that, yeah, that's my all-time favorite verse. Um, it's encouraging because when I think of the context, right? So here's this impossible thing. Mary is going to give birth to the Messiah and she's a virgin. Um, But this passage says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord was going to do everything that the Lord promised to do. And so if I can take a step to dare to believe everything that God has promised, everything that God has spoken to me, every promise that's in the word of God that I feel applies to me, if I can dare to do that, 
then it's really not about me, is it? It's really all about what God can do. And if I can believe in what God can do, then I'm blessed. So beautiful. So beautiful. So Michelle, where and how are you cultivating? You've already told us uh, quite a bit, (laughs) but where and how are you cultivating hope today? I, I am cultivating hope, I think, in a number of ways. So something I didn't talk about since I talked about so many other things. Um, I work at Calvin University, and it is part of the Coalition of Christian Colleges and Universities. Mm-hmm. And every, which is, you know, several universities, I think over 100 universities and colleges that are together. And every other year, there are leadership development institutes. And this summer, summer 2022, um, is the Multi-Ethnic Leadership Development Institute. And I will be a resource leader for that group. And one of the ways, so in participating in that group, I become more hopeful because I'm seeing, I'll be seeing 28 people who are wanting to do more within Christian higher education, because we're helping them to see their own leadership potential, to aim higher. Hey, aim for to be a vice president, an executive director, to be president, right? Aim higher, Um, live out fully. And um, I'm also instilling hope. I'm leading all the devotionals for the session. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in working with individuals, helping them to see their leadership potential. I'm hopeful for Christian higher education Mm. and helping them um, see the word a little bit differently through the devotions that I will be sharing with them. Um, I see hope that their hope is renewed. They're re-energized. They are able to see that they too are blessed when they believe all that the God, God has promised for them. And then I get hopeful because I see all that God is doing and all that God is doing in spite of me, or despite me, because I'm just, I'm just Michelle. But yet God is um, able to use me to help other people, and that's hopeful. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, I'm wondering if, now you've shared several of your projects with us, <laughs> which in after with in the the outro that I do after after the uh, our session, I'll be sure that everybody's got all the information on all these things. Um, <laughs> but I am wondering, is there anything else you did? You mentioned preach sister at the beginning, and I'm just yes. wondering if you you know any other projects. And then it's oh, yeah. sometimes nice to just hear like where the idea came from as well oh, for, for oh, yeah. doing it to begin with. Yeah. So oh yeah, preach sister came about because uh, again when um, I received that call to preach when I heard God say, I mean, let me give you context. My mom had been in ministry for a while, um, but she had accepted her call in ministry when I was in college. So I was away when she was doing all this work. And so coming, coming back home from time to time, I would hear people say, Oh, your mom is so great is doing this. And I was like, Oh, well, she was never home when in doing because she was doing ministry. So um, newly married, I was back in the area 
So I thought I would go to one of her retreats, one of her conferences, right? So I was sitting, I was sitting in the back, arms crossed, because I'm just going to see what all this thing is about. And there was a woman of God who was on fire um, and was giving word of knowledge to everyone. And she said, you in the back in the braids. And I was like, ooh, I was the only (laughs) one in the back with the braids. She called me up. She laid hands on me and she said, you must preach. Oh, I literally wow. went running, literally went running around the campgrounds, uh-huh. um, just saying, I must preach, I must preach, I must preach. And then I ran figuratively for a year because I didn't want to tell anybody that, you know, that God had had called me to preach. So Preach Sista was born, was named after that experience. And it came about because I was, um, I had did some work and looking at what does it mean to be a woman in ministry? Mm-hmm. Because I saw my mom's experience and my mom's experience was horrible. I mean, there were good things, but just that going into, she wasn't well-received and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And I was running into women who also felt a call on their life to preach, but they weren't doing anything with it because the system wasn't letting them do that. So I started Preach Sista as a nonprofit work to let women know that they weren't crazy, that God mm. does call you to preach. And so originally, Preach Sista was all about helping women to discern, grow into, and celebrate their calling into ministry using a very large definition of ministry. So I would say mm. that was what we were doing the first 20 years. And it's really been the last two years that we've refined the mission to deepening faith and caring for souls, um, caring for our souls, because we really wanted to provide um, um, women an opportunity, men as well, but women in particularly, a place to really sit and be still and hear from God. So Mm -hmm. we have our Preach Sister Fresh Anointing Conference. This will be our 21st one that we have this summer. We're back in person. Um, And that's going to be May 19th through 21st in Muskegon, Michigan. And it is a time of refreshing and encouraging. Um, We have some dynamic speakers, uplifting worship. And, you know, God just shows up. That's all I can say. God just Mm -hmm. shows up in this, in this space. And so, yeah, Preach Sister is, is still evolving. Um, That was one of those things that I took a step of faith to start um, because when I started it, it was not the right time. It was the right time on God's watch. It wasn't the right time on my watch (laughs) to start it. Interesting. But but started it. And I just said, well, I'll just do what I can do because there's a there's always a huge vision about what might be possible. And you see other ministries, I want to do that. But I started saying, okay, what if what what if I just do what I can do and trust God? to make up the difference or to, to lead where it's supposed to go. And so that's what we've been doing for 21 years is just yeah. trusting God for what is the next step. And so our fresh anointing conference is there. We have our refill with preach sister. We have soul care retreats through that. We have our wild mm-hmm. Bible study. So all of that happens with preach sister and the Antioch podcast is actually owned by preach sister now. So that oh, was a way interesting. for, for preach sister. So in wanting to have a voice that speaks into diversity and anti-racism, 
but not having capacity <laughs> to do, add one more thing to preach this. So there became an opportunity for um, the Antioch podcast to be acquired. Um, and so we inquired about the possibility of Preach Sista taking it on, and our offer was accepted. And so, yeah, Preach Sista, so the Antioch podcast is actually an extension of Preach Sista. That's excellent. Yes. I love hearing that. <laughs> well, you know, and this is the thing, like God bringing the increase, right, to our faithful mm-hmm. labor and and sh- showing us, right, how these things can actually be, we can be in collaboration. Yes. So much, yes. You've, you've, been, you've been alluding to it throughout this podcast, but this thing that I love talking about is the both and. Yes. Our world right now is so divisive teaching mm-hmm. us, right? This is the work of the enemy to divide and conquer, to teach mm-hmm. us that it's either or. And mm-hmm. we know that in God's economy, there's so much that's oh, both, yes. and. both and, 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 you know, our, our ministry, Women's Transformation and Leadership mm-hmm. has an arm of what we're doing called dismantling racism. Yes. That was that. And so when you just said that, I was like, ta-da, gender yes. and race, happily having yes. <laughs> this beautiful kind of uh, ability to, yeah. um, to conspire together, right? And to be and to be side by side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where there's strength, where we can have our distinctions and the yep. things that we need to do um, individually. But then there's also a nice holistic opportunity to start to do some repair to that divisiveness. Yes. Uh, and then that's for when you talk about care for the souls, especially for women yes. of color. And in this situation, I would say for Black women particularly, mm-hmm wanting to attend to that, which is so necessary, yes. especially in the United States right now, right? right. We really need to right. be attending to these matters um, in godly ways. This is a beautiful way to be about that holistic work. So yes. that's really, congratulations. On that. Thank that's you. Really yes. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. It's um, perfectly matched. Yes. And thank you also for telling us about your preach sister. Um, conference that's coming up, your retreat that's coming mm-hmm. up in May. There may be some mm-hmm. women there in yeah. the West Michigan area that will want yes. to uh, to avail themselves and come and join you. And yeah. uh, and the Antioch podcast, we'll make sure everybody has all those details yep. and your book, of course. I mean, all the things. We make sure that everybody, we are all about barrier-free access to the goodies here. As Reverend Cord Tate told me long ago, we just need access to the goodies, Liz. So we're going to make sure that everybody who's listening has the opportunity to learn more about everything that you have uh, shared with us today. Reverend Dr. Michelle Lloyd-Page, thank you so much for coming by the podcast and sharing with us all of your wisdom about lavish hope, resilience, and overcoming. God bless you and all you're doing. You're blessing many, and it seems like you have learned how to care for yourself in the process. So beautiful role model for all of us to aspire to. Thank Thank you so much. It's it's been a privilege and an honor to be be with you. Um, And even telling stories of hope and Mm -hmm. resilience, build resilience and hope. So this Amen. has made my day. Thank you so much. And you're Amen. doing you're doing such good work. And I'm so, um, I admire you. I admire the work that you're doing. And I admire the way that you take time to take care of yourself as well and invite others to have hope and to take care of themselves as well. So thank yes. you for all that you do as well. Thank you. We're all in this together, right? Yes. Arm in arm. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Great. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this episode has sparked insights and ideas for what lavish hope, resilience, and overcoming mean for you in your own life and calling, as well as the organizational systems you serve in. If you'd like to be in touch with Reverend Dr. Lloyd Page, she'd be happy to connect with you. You can find her through Preach Sista on social and at preachsista.org. 
That's spelled P-R-E-A-C-H-S-I-S-T-A dot org. Or through the Antioch Podcast, Conversations About Biblical Anti-Racism, which is found at antiochpodcast.org. That's A-N-T-I-O-C-H podcast.org. If you enjoyed this Lavish Hope podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and reshare any place you're on social. You can also connect with me directly at ltesta at rca.org. This episode is brought to you by faithword.org, an online learning community where you'll find ideas for living out your faith, reflections on scripture and church, stories about how other Christians are following God's call, and resources to bring your own church or organization along for the ride. The Lavish Hope Podcast is produced by Anna Radcliffe with assistant production by Lorraine Parker. Sound design by Garrett Steyer and web support by Grace Reuter and Barb Ellis. Hosted by yours truly, Liz Testa. Until next time, may you find ways to cultivate lavish hope and build resilience each and every day. God bless you.